thing started, okay? All right. Super. What's up, guys? John Sintez, Cutter Nation podcast. Very excited. Uh, special guest, Nate Trosky's on. But first, if you haven't liked and subscribed, please do that. We're on all the platforms. Just search Cutter Nation or John Sintez. Um, don't forget, we have our new custom glove, closed back, all mesh. We have four different webs. These are all available on our website. Grab a hat. Get a weird hoodie. Let's have some fun. So, um, first of all, uh, Nate, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day and coming on and chatting. Um, you and I spent a little bit of time. I've been following you for a long time. Um, are you a social media guy or no? Well, you know, I'm kind of like Nolan Arenado, kind of. I kind of like uh, – I do what I need to do, but I'm not really, like, locked in where it's a really an important part of my day. I actually try to avoid it as much as possible because – my mind is about creating and the more that you're putting into your mind, the less you can create. So really I like to create this free space and I'm not interested really in always adding information. And the reason why I'm spending time with you is because I was really intrigued with kind of how your mind works and your experiences. So I don't take a lot of time, but I took time to spend time with you because I feel that you have a lot to offer these guys. And I think we're going to have a, a good time talking. So I don't spend a lot of time, but I do thumb through it because I do, I do post. I know the importance of it. Um, and I know it's important to get information out and it's important too. You know, you know, you do learn, but I think social media is very dangerous because everything's out of context. And as you know, it's the experience behind the context and it's not one experience. It's numerous experience. It's truth revealed over time. So what we see in social media is you'll grab, you'll grab a clip or one teach or you'll see one video and you'll say, hey, man, I want to do that. Well, you don't know the context. Everything's about context. There's depth within context. So I think there's you know, tremendous advantages. And since I've been coaching a long time and I've built you know, a lot of experiences over 35 years, you know, when I watch a video, I'm able to see it through a different lens than versus like, whoa, that's cool. I want to do that. Well, why? What's the why behind it? You know, why do I want to do that? And who is it for? So I think there's a lot involved. And I think that social media can be kind of tricky. So I am a fan, but I'm not on it all the time. I love that. That's, uh, that's, actually, that's actually a Gary V thing. He calls import versus export um, nice. and like limiting, limiting import. And so like, that's, nice. you know, same thing. I agree. I, I look at it more like a library. Um, that's what the way I, I try to contextualize um, social media is like it's a place that you can go to entertain the mind or look for a new concept or explore. Um, and that, and so I've actually narrowed it down to where I have a certain number of accounts that I just create notifications for. If they put a new video out, then like Apple's really good at like reorganizing stuff. And they have a thing that's like called the end of your day social media. And it's the accounts right. that you subscribe to the most and go to. And so, like, I just get, like, quick – I get quick little updates. So, I spend, like, maybe five, ten minutes a night um, just, like, checking on things or seeing whatever, you know, whatever's happening. If somebody put a new – you know, because there's so many fitness dudes out here that do different types right. of exercises. that They're just kind of, like – and you could see a rotational exercise with, like, a cable that maybe is measuring force output with a VBT Bluetooth sensor from an angle that you didn't even think about. And you're like, wow, that's right. very simple. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, and so there's a lot of people putting free hacks out there. So it's interesting to watch. But in the same sense, like, you know, I, I'll go further on your idea, too, because I do understand social media and the ideas that go into it. And there's a lot of different things when people put a snapshot in, like you said. My favorite part is when people analyze pitching mechanics in a bullpen situation instead of a game. I'm right. like, this is not how right. it works. You know what I mean? Right. If you're throwing me, if you're it's, showing what I'm doing right. with change ups and things, 
I, we have no idea if that changeup even works because we have no idea what the batter's looking for. Exactly. You know, and the infield guys do that too. What they do is they take spring training shots of Lindor taking ground balls and they, and they base their philosophy. And the thing is, there's no runner, there's no adrenaline, there's no nothing. And the balls in, typically in, in spring training are routine below average speed ground balls. So you see a guy doing footwork or movements that he has extra time for. Then you think of you got yeah. a Mike Trout running down the line at a 3-8 and you're going, everything changes. And it's like you can't teach from these spring training videos or these bullpen shots, right? And that's what guys are doing. And then, then they don't have the, 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 the thousands, ten thousands of hours behind it to actually create context in what they see because it's different for every single human being. And everybody's body organizes a little different, right? So we base philosophies off three ground balls that I saw Lindor make in a spring training video when he wasn't even trying. It was the last three of 300. They have no idea the context of which ground ball it was. What was he preparing for? What is he working on? Was he even trying? They just show this clip and then you go, hey, same thing to the bullpen, right? How much intent did he even have? Was he even focused? Like, and where's the heart? It's such a good where's point. Yeah, it's such a good point. We always talk about like the simplicity of the idea of like catching it and throwing it. And, like that's how you feel the ground ball sometimes. And in the same thing, like when your coach, your coach is hitting you the perfect two hopper, everything's fine. What about the D1 commit that hit it 105 with a short hop and some slight like weird top spin on it? And you like, that's, that's like an idea that you've never seen before. Right. I was talking to, so I was talking to Jason Kendall, um, all-star catcher, and he was, applying for the, the manager job a couple of years in the big leagues. And he's probably going to get one, but we, we were talking in particular about, I said, Jason, should we be taking clips of major leaguers? Because there was, there was like, I, I made a post of showing kind of posture of, of, of backhanding a ball, like the, the ideal posture. But once again, the posture will change according to the depth of the hop, the depth of the hop, the speed of the hop, the spin of the hop, might change the posture of the defender. So I show just the basic posture of what you should, you know, the posture you should be in in a backhand position. Well, the guy, you know, he's saying, well, wait a minute, I've seen Lindor with his chest higher. Well, you know, and then I kept getting these comments. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to ask a, a veteran big leaguer what he thinks. And this is what he said. He said, he said, you shouldn't watch anything we do because we don't care about technique. We I don't ever analyze my position of my glove. I focus on catching the ball because I already have my 10,000 hours. And if I'm thinking about technique in the game, competing at that speed, he goes, you got no chance. So he goes, big leaguers do things wrong all the time. Now we might go back later and assess it, but in the moment, it's not about did Trey Turner backhand it exactly textbook. Trey Turner's trying to catch it and throw you out. And if he does, no one says, hey, Trey, your glove angle was off 20% according to the textbook, right? Angle percentage. Yeah, so so exactly. Kendall's going, dude, no, we're in instinctive mode. And that really put kind of some light on it where, you know what, these guys literally, they're the best in the world. They've trained the hardest so that they can be in instinctive mode. Then they don't micromanage during competition, right? It's competition. It's time to compete and let the body self-organize through one. It's innate intelligence, but also, you know, the body has an innate intelligence, right? if you let it organize, but also then we create memory that affects the innate intelligence. We create intelligence. So now if you want my intelligence to work, you need to get out of the way. So these guys are completely no mind state of mind. They're out of the way when they're competing. And then we're taking snapshots 
and freeze shots. And we're saying, hey, do it exactly like this. And he doesn't even know. And he'll go back half the time and say, I didn't want to do it that way. But you know what? I executed. That was successful because I threw the guy out at second or I you know, executed the pitch, even though I'd rather be in a better position. And then we make a camera shot of it and we start making teaches off of it. Right. It's very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. We talk about words, like words get in the way a lot of times. And, and like you, you can say uh, like I, I like to, you can say the scientific way that you diagnose the momentum system of how the pelvis rotates angularly around the axis of gravity and see that the force energy output through the ball and the finger goes through it. Or you could just be like, yeah, it was really fast. It was blurry. Right. It was blurry. It was so fast. It was blurry. Just like when someone's driving by you really fast. It's the same. Right. Same. You know, and I, you know, we took the paralysis by analysis. All of those things are correct. Right. And my experience inside the throwing process of what I learned was based on photos, not actual motion. And so we're taking mechanics of things that are moving and trying to act like it's not. You're standing on one foot and you're launching your body to your other foot. Like that's not what. You're, you're trying to do that. That's what you're trying to do. You're, you're trying to create a momentum shift from one foot to the other foot. And the guys that are really good at it go from one foot to another foot really well, and it doesn't look like it's very hard to do. Right. So, so you're saying you made you, you like looking at photos, you like looking at video more, or you like both? Or Well, I, I, think, I think there is a certain idea where the human brain can mimic ideas and see what they do. Right. But it has to be under what you were saying before. What is the goal intent of the idea? Like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to just work on throwing fastballs on the corner? Right. Or because you're not very good at fastballs or are you just not very good with a batter in there? Cause you're worried too much that he's going to hit it. Like, what are you thinking about in the process? You know? So, you know, I, I the more when, when Nestor Cortez got mic'd up in the all-star game and they were having a conversation, that was probably the coolest thing that I can think about. Now, I think it should be a one-way radio, right? So what if the pitcher is telling the, the batter or the catcher the idea in his glove, and then the catcher is saying yes or no? Because it's really the, the pitcher, it's my ball. Like, I don't, I, I don't really subscribe to the idea that, you know, uh, your coach has to call your pitches. Uh, we're getting ready to go to Vegas with Trotsky Force. I'm, I'm going over there for that tournament. And right. our, our 13U team that you met, uh, in San Diego, we don't call pitches. I will send some stuff in, but I like to send in ideas and make them understand what they're looking for, you know, because, right. you know, everything the hitter, especially young hitters, they don't even realize poker of what's happening. Like, you can tell a – it's very obvious when you can tell a kid that's, like, natural, not natural, put 10,000 hours in on the, the, the hitting coach guy. He's got the perfect finish, right. you know. And then you can tell the other kids that are just, like, natural – strategy kids that are just trying to win ball games and so you know empowering them with strategy i think is might be one of the most missed ideas and so just teaching them common sequences of of you know how how to get people out and then how to adjust when people figure out your your patterns you know and so it, it's very fun to like like i said just literally give them a better strategy guide to the game they're trying to play at a younger age and watch them run with it Cause, right. it's almost, it's you almost know, finer than playing, playing. It is, it is, you know, and we got, so we have a couple kids that have five pitches and a couple of them are pretty good cutter kids. And it's so funny to watch nice. them go into these tournaments and, right. you know, in, the, in, in at the younger age, like they're going to stand on the box, right. They're going to be toes on the line. 
They're going to have the elbows out, whatever position they got. So they're taking away the inside corner. But what the natural travel dad doesn't understand is if I make it look late and it moves late and you become off balance, you, your <clears throat> tinker toy no longer works. It doesn't work that way. You have to be anchored into the ground for it to do it. And your 12 to 13 year old kid definitely doesn't have the balance or strength to handle a good slider, a good cutter, or him to go like fastball on your hands and then like two curveballs in a row, like really slow. And like really use speed ranges inside the idea right. of like messing up timing, you know? Right. Because they just, you know, you're, we hear it all the time, especially when we play an inexperienced organization or team and you hear the dads like, hey, get the foot down early. I'm like, well, thanks, bud. You just gave us the key there. So <laughs> we're going to open up, we're going to open up the heaters on the hands, boys. That's what we're going to do. Right. And, and you can right. see them. Hey, sit back, sit back, stay back. And they, they just, at least in boxing and MMA, they have like code words or different languages to hide their intent, you know? Yeah, it's awesome. The guy in second base, and they're all careful, careful, careful. So yeah, funny. It's yeah, funny exactly. Because I, I'm like probably one of the only coaches in the country, that, at least that I know of, that actually, I, when I say careful, that means get off. It's like yeah. we, we do the opposite, and we have different yeah, exactly. words, obviously, because everybody's oh, yeah. like, yeah, it's like no, no brainer. Let's, let's use our brains. It's like, yeah, really? for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, and that's that's strategy, right? That's where. You know, the idea of it, what's funny about the Astros cheating is like the idea of that for sure has been all everybody's been like, as soon as, as soon as you were able to get like live feeds on a screen, I guarantee you someone was like, um, I have an idea. <laughs> what if we just told them what was coming because we could see it, right? Like that always was in my eyes. I was always thinking about why, like, what if somebody had a TV in their dugout <laughs> and there's no delay, it's live. Right. Right. Like, and you, I remember, um, what was it, uh, from the Mets? We, it wasn't, it was, um, oh my God, who was their, who was their manager there for a while? But I remember they put oh, like a jacket right. over a little monitor. Yeah. No, it wasn't Buck. It was before it was, it was back, um, when he put the disguise on, but I remember seeing the TV in there and I remember being like, that has to be a live feed. This is ridiculous. Right. Like, if that's a live feed, like how live is it? Right. right? Like, you know what I mean? And so, you know, it may, really makes you wonder. With that. And those ideas are just like have progressed from like the guy at second just watching the catcher the whole time. Right. Right. And so he's you, doing second sign like everybody in the country does, you know? Yeah. You were talking about disrupting timing and balance. And, you know, we all, we all know that like the job of the pitcher, right? If, if the hitter is off balance, he still can hit, right? If he stays back and he's in posture, right? So if he can maintain a level of posture, he still can hit. But ultimately, right. right, if we can get the hitter off balance and out of time, we win, right? So the ultimate is is to have deception. I mean, you know, right. there's, there's different ways, obviously, to accomplish what you accomplish as, as, a, as a pitching coach. And I'm not trying to tell you what you do. I'm just trying to paint the picture of the obvious because right. this is what I'm doing right now on the throwing side. And, you know, we got to hang out in, in San Diego a little bit, and it's like, people often this wasn't you but people often like man i've seen all your stuff man it's really good stuff i said well you've only seen like one percent because i don't like make videos of everything i do right it's the same for you right. it's like people right. are like i know i know everything you do you're like no you don't you don't even know like less than five percent right. and it's like right, so right, what right. we offer to these kids you know there's not a lot of time and that's one reason why this is a truly a lifestyle and that's why the dominicans i believe you know are the best for the you know for their population per capita they're the best players in the world 
Now, we obviously have great players, but our population is 350 million. They have 12 million, right? And they have 21% of the big leagues. It's like, this doesn't make sense. 21% of the big, it's like, so it's like they, they live it, right? So, so I'm paying the, the obvious now, but from the defensive side, you can't find throwers with plus command. Now, first of all, you can rarely find a pitcher with plus command. But then when you think about it from the defensive side, who has plus command? So I've been with the Brewers for 18 years, and I work all the top prospect events in Southern California in the sense of the Erico games because those are the top players that are going to be selected in the draft. When you think of Lucas Giolito, Max Fried, Garrett Cole, they're all on our team, right? They're on my team. Uh, Nolan Arenado, Christian Yellis, Freddie Freeman, they're all on our team. So I coached all those guys coming through on this area code team. Well, I just named three of the best pitchers in the big leagues, Garrett Cole, Max Fried, and Lucas Giolito. I mean, those guys are on the top. Those guys are from Southern California, right? These guys are like right there. So it's like I'm watching these guys, and I've been doing it for 20 years along with all the other stuff that I do, which is a lot. This is just these little windows. And I've, and I've rarely to find a guy with plus command. And it's like your body seeks to accomplish what the mind thinks in pictures. So if that's my priority, you know what happens? I'll get really good at it. But I have to be able to measure it because if I can't measure it, I can't manage it. And if I can't manage it, I can't improve it. So we're saying, okay, well, from the pitching side, how about managing? I'm not saying you don't do this because I don't know exactly what you do. But rarely do you find pitching coaches that manage command. I want to manage my command percentage every time I throw a bullpen, not a strike because that's control. We're talking control versus command. So I took this concept because I am actually a pitching coach too. I've been, you know, doing pitching stuff for 25 years, not like you where you've just isolated, you know, I've given my life to baseball and I've studied pitching, catching, infield play, speed, everything. And infield play has been the majority, but I go out and hang out with Tom House for five, six, seven, eight years. You know, I go hang out with all these, during the area, because I'm just sitting in the dugout talking to the scouts that are pitching guys. They say, what do you got on this guy? What do you got on this guy? What do you got on Hunter Green? What, what do you got on these guys? You know, and I'm always getting insights. So I'm taking these concepts and applying it to defense. And right now, what I'm doing is, is building a system where we're disrupting the timing, posture, and balance of the thrower. See, because the position player, if you think about it, their timing is just like the hitter. If the hitter's on time, right, they have a chance to barrel the ball if they're on time. If a thrower is on time with their release point, as you know, they have the ability to command a pitch. But if my timing is off one hundredth of a second to a thousandth to a tenth, it's gonna affect my release point. Now a pitcher has more of a controlled environment, right? They're on the mound, but they also change the height of their leg kick, right? So you have this, this you know, you can change your delivery speed, you can change anything you want, we know. But a lot of pitchers are pretty consistent. Well, when you think about the defender, the defender, every time they make a play, their timing and tempo is completely different. One shuffle versus two shuffles versus three shuffles versus throw it at one o'clock versus three o'clock versus two o'clock versus on the run versus uh, jump and throw versus set my feet and throw versus no step and throw. So what I've been doing on my end really is building a system that disrupts. So it's a catch play process routine that charts command. You get a command percentage and, and I, we did some of this stuff with our guys in san diego but I, I don't i don't know how much we got into it and so i'm excited because you brought up the concept of timing balance right posture just briefly and that's really been my goal on the defensive side because i want a shortstop i'm going back to hey I'm, I'm working with all these guys for 20 years in the last two years seven first round shortstops i worked with seven just short i'm just talking shortstop 
And when I watch all seven of these guys that went in the first round in the last two years, not one of them has plus command throwing across the diamond. You hit them their four ground balls in their tryouts, right? The area codes for the Brewers, we give each team two tryouts. Some, some go to three. And they get four ground balls, four. So we give them, let's just say we're going 12 ground balls. There's not one guy that can hit the target. Not one guy 50% of the time. Not one. And we call this command. Command is hitting the chest or the head. Control is where he catches it, right? And then if he misses it, you have no command or control. You're wild. So there isn't any throwers. And then as you move left, right. So the point is, is how can I simulate? Because you just talked about earlier. When you're in the bullpen, it's completely different than when you're in the game. One, you just have adrenaline. So now my internal clock speeds up and I have to have the ability to be in time with my internal speed, which is affecting my external, my physical speed. Because now I have the element of adrenaline, results, right? Tension, not hailing up. So we're creating these concepts of building time, speed, stress, and added variables into catch play. Then we're charting their routines and their percentages. And now we're going to start giving them belts. Black belt, brown belt, orange, blue, green, and white. So if your command percentage after your 15 throws at the end of practice is sub 20%, you get a white belt. And you, you're going to get a sticker on your glove and you're going to have to walk around practice for the next month showing your white belt. The guy who was 80, and we just, we just did this in Utah. So I had 30 guys and we did it for two days. Now check this out. Okay. We got varsity guys, high school guys, youth guys. Okay. And they're every single throw is different tempo, balance, and posture. Every, everyone moving left, moving right, jumping, boot, bare hand skater forward skater just all these different movements okay and i didn't care what position they played okay so we're charting at the end of the day each guy gets 15 throws they sit down and they get to do their math they get the percentage the only guy over 15 percent 50 percent he had 83 percent and he was a team usa 12u player and he's blowing away guys that are 16 and 17 that think they're good but you know what they're, they're walking around with white belts they were 20 to 25 percent right? Now add the, address, the adrenaline and the stress of the game with movement, right? And I have to redirect and these guys think they're going to sustain. Sorry, pal, that 12U guy is going to beat you and he's going to get a scholarship when he's 13 and he's going to start as a freshman and be a freshman All-American and take your job when you're a junior because his intent is greater than yours. His process is greater than yours, right? And his skill is greater than yours. So anyway, so we're building this system. It's Taking it into the position player world, and we know there's some, you know, some 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 really cool bullpen concepts of helping guys, you know, take what they do in the pen, and you know, bring it out to the game. But you know, the idea is to do this for the position player. Yeah, I, I wanted to get into that too because you just, I'm I'm super happy that you're a pitching guy too. I, I wanted to, I like learning about people from their their own story, right? Like I could have googled you and I could have gone down that way, but I just like how the connection works that way. Um, so to 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 exactly what you said there, um, I don't think we spar enough as uh, pitchers. I think there is far too much safe practice. It really bothers me. Um, we push for live at bats, and I and I have continue to become better and better as a pitcher myself just because I only spar. I do not throw bullpens. Bullpens are not the same. I'm, it's not the same fire. And so I love your black belt system of what you're putting. And it was one of the things that made me excited about it as well, because yes, it should be a game. It should be a competitive game. Yes, there should be a level system. 
there's the black belts are, are assassins they're killers right double black right. belt whatever right, right. you know what i mean no like one Arenado is a 10th degree black belt right a defender right. and a thrower there ain't nobody right. alex right check this out alex rodriguez played for 22 years he's one of the greatest athletes to ever play the game of baseball and we're talking about from the athletic side now obviously he's a tremendous hitter over 3,000 hits you know what alex rodriguez did but he's one of the greatest athletes to ever step foot on the field. He's like Willie Mays. He's like Mickey Mantle, right? He's a, he's a plus, plus, plus athlete. He had two gold gloves. No one has 10 in 10 years, and he just won his 10th. And he won his first as a 22-year-old, and no rookie in the history of the game has ever won a gold glove, except Jeremy Pena, who just won one in the history. How does Nolan have 10? You know why? Because he's sparring like you're talking about. Every single day, he works his game throws before the game. He spars, he right. spars, and all these other defenders are not sparring. Watch outfielders. They never, ever hit their cutoff man or ever throw it right to the catcher. They're always moving him up the wrong line, and they're always safe at the plate. You go, why do these guys with plus arms, they're major leaders, because they never work at game speed, game focus, game challenge reps like you're talking about. Getting in and sparring. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite part, you know, and, and Cutter Nation was a joke for a while because uh my slider was actually my best pitch and so i kind of let the league run with it um when my, it was my first start in the pecos league i struck out 11 and one of the guys on the other team came to the little team meal that was like the smallest town in colorado uh the mayor owned the wing stop like place there so they took us in there we had like a team wow. meal and one of the guys came from the other team and had a bet with the boys that i throw like 85 sliders or cutters because we had no idea and I was like, well, I picked it up first inning. I threw a cutter. The guy swung through it like he never saw it before. And I was like, uh, okay, so let's see how this goes. And then I just cutter slider combo the whole game. And like wow. just com completely pitched inside out is like I call I like to call it. And and like they just it, literally first pitch cutter to every person in the whole game. And that, you know, it was either I landed it or I didn't. And they either took it or swung through it. It just it was like I don't know what's happening, but I found a hole in this game, and I'm going to exploit the crap out of it as long as I can. That's awesome. So, so you, you found the hole, and you exploited it, and, and my commitment to what I do is, is to fill the holes. So what I found as a coach was all these holes, and I was a head college coach in 1998. In 1996, I was a head college coach. I was only 23 years old, so it was my first like, college gig, and I was a professional coach at 22, and I, I was in the minor leagues coaching. Then I went to, to the Europe and I coached, managed it. My head, my first head professional job was 23. So college was, I think, 23 and now 24. And my point was, is that after those three, four years, and as a player, I go, there's so many holes. I want to fill them. So I got to get out of this coaching world of being, you know, connected with an organization because they fill your time with stuff that doesn't matter, like ordering fertilizer, right? And ordering, you know, bases and, you know, dealing with uneligible players. and But I'm like, you know what? How am I going to fill these holes if my life is dedicated to, you know, managing a team? And I'm like, I'm going to step away. And that's why we have guys like you guys at the force that are doing what you guys do because I'm on the outside contributing. And I know you're, you're that guy too. You're on the outside building, right? These guys that are inside the lines, we're like filling those holes. And that's why... I love what I do every day. You know, I mean, I don't want to go to bed. I went to bed last night at 4.30. And I'm, 
texting my buddies with the Mariners. He used to be a Cal, and I didn't even know where he's coaching. I said, Tony, where are you coaching? He's like, oh, I'm in the big leagues with the Mariners. I'm like, what the heck? I said, well, by the way, it's 4.30. I got to go to bed. He's like, oh, cool, man. I'm in Mexico right now. The guy just walked by with a Trotsky hat on. I just wanted to tell you. I'm like, well, that's pretty rad. But, but the point was is I don't want to go to sleep because there's so many holes to fill, and I'm so excited about life. I mean, just the catch play alone, it, it, it's, it's horrendous. And I was telling you, right. just these seven first-rounders, just seven in two years, short, I'm just talking shortstop. I'm not talking about anybody else. Pitchers, all the other pro guys. I mean, like 40 guys a year in the draft I work with, coach personally, or I work with. And the thing is, is this. Position players, none of them have plus command. You watch them throw across the diamond. Most of them can't even hit the chest. And what do you think happens during the game? Yeah. They miss here. The ball's in the dirt. The first base that comes off, you don't have a great first base, and you got three throwing errors in the end of the tournament. And you're, you're going in the top five rounds. It's like, dude, let's make that guy better. Tatis needs help. I can go through the big leagues. Tatis is playing right field, center field. Like, what, what happened to that guy? He's, he's one of the greatest <laughs> athletes to play the game. And he can't yeah. even stay at shortstop. It's like, okay, so filling the hole, holes is, a, is, a, is kind of what I'm about. And I just wanted to jump in there real quick because you were talking about filling holes which is cool yeah I, I i'm excited about the the mind connection for this that's what you know i i knew when i had a moment with you at the at the in san diego at at, at the camp i was like i was just gonna throw a couple little quick jabs in there and big. i think i can get his attention and we can have some conversations with right. and i'm excited to continue to grow and learn from you as well with stuff because i'm just trying to you know I, I just see a lot of different things and strategies that, that right. You know, if you, like I said, if you apply, a, you know, Max Scherzer uh, through like a second and third pitch change up with the Mets in the playoffs. And it, and I just made me giggle because like that's his fourth best pitch, which means that he understands the percentages of what he's seeing for the first batter in the game. And so right. it just cracks me up where, you know, guys are really playing poker out there and trying to have plus pitches on everything. And the idea of straight ball goes far was probably the smartest thing I ever heard from one of the Dominican guys that I played with, which, which brings me to, uh, you know, one of my favorite parts about, you know, what you're doing right now. So you live in the Dominican Republic, which I am very jealous. You're also right now in the DR during winter ball playoffs. And so you're not a social media guy. Just to let you know, Lise actually does condensed baseball games on YouTube and we stream them here all the time. Oh, really? I've got oh, like wow. five or six, I've got five or six uh, um, TVs around here and I'm constantly keeping other countries, baseball games on TV because there's, oh, there's a dude, <clears throat> there's a dude right now playing for Lise, the shortstop. He's the next O'Neill Cruz. You want to see the prospect? He's like six, eight left-handed oh. hitter, hit a ball out against um, Escondido oh. in dead center field with that big high wall. I was like, what? Like, wow, that was like, that's like 460. Like, that's a right. shot, you know, because wow. they, they don't, they, they play on grown man fields, like what you said. Right. And, you know, what I played with in Mexico, there was a different, um, there was just different baseball happening. And, and to me, I saw the, the cultures of everything where it was the Wild West, where none, what, just like what you said earlier, you know, none of the coaches were policing any of the players on how they were trying to strategically play the game which means that every player was playing their favorite version. So the Cubans were playing their version. The Dominicans were playing their version. The Mexicans were playing their version and the Americans were playing their version. And that was all happening one through nine from the bullpens. And so I recognized that I was the only cutter guy out of the bullpen in the whole league. So I just went full cutter, slider happy and pitched inside out again. 
And then I noticed these guys that threw 100 with sinkers. Nate, I saw 101 pulled down the foul pole mm -hmm. from a 44-year-old gangster and then a 20-year-old gangster on back-to-back -back pitches. And I went, what's happening? We're just pulling 101? We just pull? We're right. on time early? And I asked the guy later, I said, how do you, how do you hit 101? And he said, I've always seen 100. I went, okay. All right. My bad. I forgot. So, so, you're 44. So, so. So you're saying right-handed hitters pulling right-handed singers at 100 miles an hour? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Right? Just, yeah. just because yeah. – also just because he knew that – he knew the guy throwing 100. He's already faced him a bunch of times. And he knew right. – he told me he, – he said his slider's terrible. I don't have to worry about it. Hmm. I'm like, right. oh. So he – I mean, he told me with my five tools, it was so much harder to hit me than hit them. And I saw, really? I just saw, I, yeah, I just, it, there were so many people down there that didn't care how hard you threw it. And that's when my ultimate respect for the, you know, Dominicans and the Latin culture and start understanding that like sparring live at bats, not stop playing, you know, the best in the game, like what you see, go home, take a month off. And you and I know they start in December and start playing again. They only need two right. months, right? They, they right. show up at the ballpark in November, right around Thanksgiving, start moving around, Right. By the time they show up to right. spring training, they're, they're 65, 70 games in, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and meanwhile, like if, yeah. if, right, meanwhile, if you had Travel Dad watching the feed, he'd be upset because nobody's running hard because they realize that they're not going to get hurt in winter ball. Right, right. Have you been down so, you know, it's just, able to it, see it, him live? No, I, no, I've, you know, only – yeah. No, it's 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 on my list. Now that I know you're down there, I'm definitely going to start planning a trip for sure. Yeah, so we have trips, and we can get the San Diego guys to come down too and put together a team. And we have uh, three teams coming out in, in about 12 days, and we always do a trip in Thanksgiving. So we bring – we have a 14 year, and we have two high school teams, and we have a hotel right there on the beach. And, and basically what's different really – I mean, because there's other people that do kind of what we do, but they don't really do what we do because we're about complete player development. This isn't about vacation. And if you want to go on vacation, then don't come with me because we're here to get better. And if you love baseball, right, and you love getting better, that's what we do from 7 a.m. till 10 at night. And if that's true vacation for guys that love to get better, right? Who wants to go sit and have a drink and do nothing for four hours on the beach? It's like, I want to go find some guys and get better. Let's go at least play some Batia, right? Throw some yeah. craps tool, right? Let's have some fun. But so – so it's, it's incredible. And we, it's, the, it's the greatest week ever. I mean, really, because there's so much involved from the learning and from watching and observing what the Latin kids are doing. Not necessarily that we have to copy everything they do, but seeing, seeing the desire. I mean, they're at the beach at 7 every morning. Every morning. It's like our guys, do they, how many guys get, to get up before school and do some type of training? I would say it's less than 1%. Yeah. Unless your coach forces you to because you have a pre- pre-Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, gym class where you have to, but like by choice, I mean, these kids choose to get up at the age of 10. And so, so, I mean, a lot of it is seeing, experimenting, but one of the things you said, they all play to their own kind of like beat to their own, like kind of like style. And I think one thing that's interesting is that like when we play our games, we'll play like for six days and I, I'm down here with the German national team always in Easter. So they train here for 15 days and we play basically 13 out of 15 days. And Max Kepler was our first team. So Max Kepler, so it's the German national team. And Max Kepler is the first real German to ever sign a multi-million dollar contract. And Max wow. Kepler is full-blood German. And so Max was on our team when he was 14. That was my first year here. 
and Al Max is an outfit for the, for the twins and he's one of their top guys. But um, one of the things that's so cool is when we play these games is that they play the music so loud <laughs> that literally when you can't even hear your inner voice. So yeah. there is no voice. Yeah. It's all about rhythm and feel. You don't know if you're 0 for 1. You don't know if you're 0 for 2. You don't know if you're 2 for 2. You don't know if you just walked the guy. And you don't know if you made an error or you made a play. Because you, no one tells you nothing because it's all music. And you're just hearing this rhythm, this bachata. And you're always present in the beat. You go, and these guys have this rhythm and feel for the game that nobody else has. We're thinking, we got people telling us how to do it. And they're playing to the rhythm and they're in the beat the whole game. No past, no future, only present in the beat. And it's unbelievable. Now there's flaws to it too, because there's a lot of things, lessons to be learned during the game. Hey, hey, you know, if you make an adjustment here, but there's no adjustments. You either make them yourself or you don't make them. And when you make a mistake, no one knows because no one can correct you. And you can't even almost correct yourself because you can't even hear your inner voice telling you that you're no good. Nah, I stink right now. Tears. Rhythm, 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 rhythm. So we make a note of it when we, when we play our games is we hire a whole DJ, a whole DJ crew and they full on crank Latin music from pregame till the game's over. And by the way, when the game is over, they don't know if they won or lost. It's like, you know, cause they love the experience. They love the journey. They love baseball. It's, it's pretty cool. So yeah, there'll be some opportunities. You can come down we can also get you know, you could either put together a team or, you know, I talked to um, your guys with the force about it and they were interested in maybe putting together some guys. So we might be seeing yeah, Decker's, Decker's down for sure. Yeah. Decker's so down. Yeah. I'm sure we'll, we need to have another yeah. call. We'll, we'll for sure chat. I would, I would, okay. I, there's a lot of ideas that my, my brain is going crazy awesome. right now on a bunch of, okay. a bunch of fun stuff, but that well, was, we go that to was, the you know, too, by the way. Yeah, no, you have to. Everybody, you have to. We went to Escadilla. So I played. I played in the Pacifico for Mochi's about five years ago, and it was when the first year Culiacan's brand new stadium just started, and um, I got I I I led the league in saves at the All Star break at like seventeen. Like I threw all the time. Like I just went because it was my goal. It was my goal to be on that list. Like I I was like I'm gonna make this. I because at that level, what's funny about the metric side about what you're talking about is. You know, and this is my favorite part about awards and all this stuff. Everybody's going Otani and, you know, and and uh, um, Judge, right, and everything. And down there, they don't care who it is. There's no reputation. It's not where you're from, right? It's all performance. It's like who there, you, there can only be one, one best guy. And each game, like, there's only one guy that really won the game, whether he was on the mound or he went two for two and drove in four runs, like the easy stats that matter. Right. And, right. and getting caught in the micro is one of the biggest things that we talk about all the time. And that's why I think, you know, once again, sparring is more important. You know, right. it, it cracks me up when you see a video of Bartolo Colon facing a 12 year old. Right. And Bartolo mm -hmm. Colon's blowing doors on this 12 year old backdoor sinkers at probably 86 fastest ball he's ever seen in his life. And I'm trying to show these kids here in San Diego that the kid had the nuts enough to swing first pitch. Like, how about that, kid? How about the 12-year-old that wasn't scared of the Hall of Famer, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's one of my favorite things. Uh, we, we have a big joke here about um, I'm the hippo, right? And the hippo, to me, is, is a very interesting concept because you have lions and everybody wants to be a lion, right? 
the lions they do a lot of running to go catch that gazelle right they got to be strategic they got to hunt it right well hippo is the smartest one to sit in the only water source you need really every day and just wait for the food to come to them so you just got to come into the deep end and my cage over here where we go live i don't care who you are nate hey you can get a helmet jump in anytime you want buddy we can, we can play in the deep end anytime you want to play in the mm-hmm. deep end and there's a awesome. lot of kids that can't handle that and they can't handle somebody barking at your face. And I remember being in Mexico and some of the best hitters, some of the best hitters that I ever faced were talking shit to me while I was on the mound. And I was going like, is this real life? Like, did I just throw a first pitch cutter and this guy called me that word in Spanish that I know what it means? That's interesting. Right. That means I upset you. I made you emotional. Like, it looks like that's all I'm going to do the rest of this at bat. You're not going to see anything else but that pitch, dude. Here you go. Right. These, yeah, are yeah. The, these are the best cutters I got. Right. So, you know, the 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 literal poker play and the, and the match of, of the boxing is is my favorite part. And, and um, this is this is a, a, a numbers part that I like to, to prove on this on the thing. If you, if you go to a major league baseball game, one team on average, it's it, it could be 150. I know it's gone on a lot, but like most of the time, it's like in between 130 and 150 pitches per game. Right. There's only 27. So 140, right? There's only 27 outs. Yeah. Nate, that means that 80% of the game is not the ball in play. Right. So the only it's true battle is – it's, 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 it's 92%, actually. Right. There you go. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I love – I love – Yeah. So, you know, when, when I talk to these kids about sparring and, like, you know, how their BP sessions are going, you know, I'm like, well – you know, if you're, if you're not in the mental space of what I'm trying to do, then you don't, you don't understand. And so that's what, you know, Addison Kleps, who plays for us on the force, and you've seen him, he loves getting in and fighting with me. It is so much fun. We have a really funny video from the summer where awesome. I'm facing him, and I just go double up curveballs, like some of the biggest curveballs that I could throw to him, and he got mad at me. And then I went fastball up in the zone, and he popped it up to the top of the, tuttle, the turtle, and it hit the turtle, and he said it was a homer right away. And then he and I just really? went at it. We just went right at it, you awesome. know? And I was like, absolutely not. And he was like, dude, I barreled that. That's gone for sure. He's like, it's 365 to center. I'm like, get out of here, kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he barreled a pop-up. You can barrel pop-ups. Yeah, yeah I said, absolutely not. To go up that way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just missed it. Yeah, that's so. That's awesome. So I love that, that. Right. So the focus, so you're, so you're in the DR. Let's get back to that, right? What, what, what exactly is the plan down there? Or do you have an academy? Do you have, you know, what do you, what's the deal? So I've been coming for, um, for almost 20 years with the German national team. And I coached professionally in Europe. And we, the team that I managed was my first head job. I, I believe I was 23 or 24. Okay. And um, we won the German national championship. So after we won it, they were pretty stoked because I took a team that was not expected to win. And we won the whole thing because basically I'm a teacher and there were, you know, we, we, you know, the first practice we're setting goals. They're like, the German guys are going, what, what's a goal, man? We've been playing in the Bundesliga. They call it the Bundesliga for like 10 years. They go, we don't set goals. We drink beer after our games. And I'm like, dude, we're going to win a national championship. We're not here to, I mean, you can drink all the beer you want, but we got to do things the right way. You know, these guys are grown (laughs) men. They're not 17, you know? So these are the best in, in Germany. So after we won it, I, was asked to be a part of the, the German national team, the men's team. And we went to the Olympic trials in Italy in 96. Actually, that was 96. So we were qualifying for the Olympics, but we didn't qualify because Italy and Holland were too good at the time. But Germany now really is beating 
you know, Italy and Holland at times. They're really, you know, they've really improved. And part of it is because of the time that I get to spend with them. And they've also, you know, changed their whole player development system. So they train here every year in for about two weeks during Easter. And I've been coming for the last 20 years. So I started coming with George Bull, who's the general manager of, of the teams. He And he's a, a tremendous baseball guy. And he's a great human. And he's my best man at my wedding. And so I've been coming with him and just learning, you know, and, and learning also, you know, is not always just learning what to do. It's also what not to do. You know, we think of learning of always getting more info, but a lot of it's getting info on what, what doesn't work and what are people doing. And, you know, so it's like, so the Latins, I'll tell you one thing, they, they, they waste time. They don't, they're not, they're not, they don't understand time efficiency because they don't have like th things to do and places to go when you're on a college schedule. And that's a problem. When Latin guys sign, they go to the minor leagues in America after they play here in the Dominican Summer League, and they get invited to go to USA to play. Well, they don't understand time management, really, because they don't have a structured life, right? You go to college, yeah, you got They're just, you got, they're you got just at the park all day. Yeah. All day, exactly. And you might take, you know, five rounds of BP in three hours because there's 40 other guys waiting, but you're just talking and having a good time. So it's it's just it's just different. So there's learning what to do, what not to do. And, and my favorite part is I've been able to take the best from America and the best from Latin America and combine it. And, and there's not too many people that have ever done that because my life's been dedicated to learning. I mean, really, my whole life. I've been single until I got married three years ago, until I was 48. And so so it's like my whole life has been on this journey, 14-hour days of just running around the world following, you know, the goats. And people with experience, you know, it's like Kobe's like, man, I spent a week on Go Go Mountain. And I said, Kobe, I spent a life life on Go Mountain, dog, because I hung out with Magic and and, and uh, Michael and Larry Bird. He goes, man, I spent, man, I just had to get around those guys. I said, man, I've been focusing on that for thirty years. So, so it's like coming to the Dominican, and I, you know, I make a note to get out to as many guys as I can, talking to guys. What do you guys do after our games? I'm, you know, I'll sit with a guy on the dugout and have someone interpret for me and say, what do you guys do for your, you know, arm strength? And, you know, because, you know, you see these guys with great arms and healthy arms and, you know, our guys' arms are falling apart. And so anyway, so it's, it's, it's been amazing. So that's been the journey here. And then uh, I opened an academy about five years ago before COVID and it just was too tough with COVID. So it was a full-on academy, uh, a house, facility. We had Dominican players living there. Because, you know, because the idea is you sign up at around 12 and then they, then they sign with pro teams at 16. They play for two years, anywhere from one to two years in the Dominican Summer League, which is the lowest level of the minor leagues, which is Venezuela, which is Dominican, which is Mexico. It's all the Latin countries coming together and they bring all the best to the Dominican and they play. There's 750 players. And by the way, 400 a year get invited to the United mm -hmm. States of America. So when you show yeah. up, guys, when you show up and you sign a pro contract and you go to Arizona or you go to Florida, let me tell you something, over half the players are going to be from Latin America. So one, I'd suggest that you start learning Spanish. And the second piece I suggest you do is start getting comfortable with Latin players. And that's one reason why I'm constantly telling the best players to get out here. Because if I show up in spring training and I got a guy 6'8", who's playing shortstop who runs a 6260 he throws 100 across the diamond and hits the ball 120 exit speed i'm going to be intimidated but what happens is when you spend time with them and you get to know them you start to get comfortable with what you're uncomfortable with and you start to realize i have to beat that guy out and i'm going to figure out a way to do it and understand that one of the ways you can do it is with a high iq 
high, you were talking about before, our ability to strategize, strategizing the game, understanding the game. Very few Latin players understand that. They're, they're walking toolboxes with, with low IQs, not because they're not intelligent, but because they focus on building prospects. So when you realize that, you go, man, I could beat that guy out. I can, I can outsmart him. That guy's 0 for 3 right now. I'm 1 for 3 because I strategize with two strikes. That guy takes the exact same approach, you know, whatever it might be. So anyway, so getting around these guys is important because they're continuing to, you know, to advance in the game. And, and so, um, so over here now what I do is I basically go to the States. I run camps. So um, this next two weeks we'll have our camp here. But I was in Utah last weekend. The weekend before I was in San Diego. Um, it's just, you know, I just kind of pop back and forth. And when I come here, basically what I do is I just, I just write. So the, this is 30 pages of writing. This is the throwing chart we've been working on. These are more notes. I mean, my whole table is nothing but notes, but it's all, it's all better every day. It's like, how do you get better within whatever you think you're good at already? I want to be excellent at what I think I'm good at. I want to become even better. So it's like, how do you do that? And to me, it's not just about metrics because everybody just wants to be metrics minded because the human element is actually the most important piece to the puzzle. The element of knowing how to bring the best out into the individual is more important than anything. And that's one reason why Dusty Baker is Dusty Baker. I coached Dusty's son when he was in high school, Darren Baker. And Darren's in, in, in double A right now. He's a 22 year old. He was at the world series. He showed up at, you know, on some of the, some of the screens it was pretty cool, but Dusty, I got to know Dusty a little bit, but just watching Dusty, seeing his son, the IQ, the instincts, the feel, Dusty's knowledge of the game, Dusty gets it. Dusty's about the individual. And when you think of the best managers in the game, from the Tony Franconas to the Joe Torres to the – these guys understand the human element. And, and Tony LaRusso said it to me maybe the best when he said Jim Leland, which is a Hall of Fame manager, he said, Jim Leland decoded the human element. And when I heard that, I immediately wrote that down. He decoded – the human element, meaning he understands the brain, the human being, the individual greater than any X's and O's, any metric, any anything. And so when I heard that, that began my journey about 12 years ago. Of I'm going to understand the human mind more than I can understand necessarily a metric. Now, if I can understand both, that's even better. But let me tell you something. The athlete is driven by the engine and your mind is the engine. So we have to be able to get into this engine, right? And be the mechanic. We want our players to understand how this engine works and they're the mechanic so they can make the adjustments pitch to pitch. You can't just jump over to TrackMan and figure it out. Hey, we're in the game right now. And like we said, Jason Kendall talked about, this is instinctive mode. It's time to hunt. It's time to compete. And so anyway, so I've been really, you know, I spent a lot of time really creating systems and formulas. And, and that's something that I've been learning is that to be a master coach, there's a difference between a black belt and a brown belt. And there's a difference between a 10th degree black belt and an orange belt or a white belt. Significant difference. And it's like, from the teaching side, I want to be a 10th degree black belt. So I'm constantly trying to understand how can I apply information that motivates the individual. Just for example, when you go play catch, I don't want to have to go down there and monitor your intent. You're so convinced by how I motivate you that you are so consumed with, you know what? Every single throw matters. My coach doesn't have to remind me ever. Well, let me tell you something. 99.9 .9 of every thrower that goes down the line to play catch, every throw doesn't matter because they don't think it matters. So if you want to be a master teacher, you have to understand that 
the motivation comes from within the person. So how do I do that versus just saying, hey, this is important, guys, do this because nobody does it when you tell them it's important. So the master teacher concept, understanding the human element. And so that's really what I'm focusing on a lot. And, and the last thing I'll, I'll just add to that is it's all about systems. The mind focuses and has the ability to focus when you have order. So if I can go back to a box and, and you know, one of the greatest hitters of all time is Tony Gwynn and he had his six checks, boxes to check. He had his six checkpoints. And his mind can organize that and can always go back to it because it's order. The mind likes order. So if you just give me a bunch of information and say, okay, let's try to do that. No, give me checkpoints that I can go back to, the reference points, checkpoints. Now, if I can measure it, I can manage it. So you give me checkpoints that I can manage and now I can improve it. And the mind loves order. So figuring out systems for everything. How are you going to measure your mental game today? Well, here's 25 questions that you ask yourself, pitchers, when, they, when it's over. Your outing's over. Sit down and check in. And that's what we do with our pitchers, measuring it. And then I get into your mind. I'm inside. went wrong today how did you respond did you get better or did you get worse and how long did you did it take to bounce back and the guy goes man in the third inning the umpire made a bad call i walked to first and second and i gave up a two run you know double okay well let's get into your head and dissect the human element i want to decode what's going on in your brain because what goes on in your brain does not go in my brain or your brain right so um anyway so much fun it's like it's, it's like it's funner than playing really i mean it's I mean, I love playing as much as anybody, but it's not, it, I mean, man, it's a blast. So that's what I'm doing here in the DR, getting better. I love it. I love it. That was a great answer. That was oddly got a history lesson of it. Yeah. I, you know, um, Brandon had told me that you had an academy down there for a while and I was, you know, interested in that. Obviously, you know, we're doing it here in San Diego, but I couldn't agree more like systems. I have a drill system that puts these kids into a little bit of an autopilot situation and they don't even realize that they get on the mound and they get comfortable with momentum and then they're able to just like spot. And, and then it's funny because the further they get away from the drills, the worse they get. And they're like, I'm like, why did you lose it? And, and they're like, I don't know. I'm like, you stopped being like, you have no momentum anymore. You, you don't understand the feeling of what that flow of the wave is as you go. Right. And as soon as the flow of the wave starts, you know, hesitating or decelerating too soon, then like you're saying, the timing system of one tenth is off. So, yeah, right. I, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, I, I'm very jealous of you that you get to go down there and talk to those people. I've actually, I've been, uh, you know, planning that trip idea. I told you a while ago, I was going to go down there and shoot a documentary with my best friend um, because of what I saw, right? I saw, I played with five guys that threw a hundred. They were all Dominican. Of course, I don't remember. I remember one of their guys' names, um, but I, I would have to go back. But like, you know, my joke, my joke with a lot of the kids here because of Google, right? You can Google me. And my, um, my stats down here are like terrible, right? It's off, right? And so I tell them every time, I go, who do you call from Mexico League to tell them that your stats are wrong? Like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It says I play one year down there. I played seven. Like, it, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, you, like, you, you learn, you, yeah. You learn yeah. What, what battles to, to battle and you learn not to sweat the small stuff, right? That's, that's what it takes to be a great pitcher anyways. Right. You don't sweat exactly. the small. That, that's small stuff, man. You'll probably made a bad call. Small stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's small um, stuff. You got, so, yeah. you, got your, you got your mind right, coach. Oh, baby. 
hey, you know, that's, that's why I still throw. That's my thing. Like, I broke my elbow my senior year of college, was obsessed, still obsessed like you are right now. The idea of what you just said, where if I was 12 years old and I had all of the fun tools that told the story to my brain to help me be an expert, I would have lived here. I would have absolutely lived here. Every, I would have never missed a week. I would have been all into the strength training, doing everything, because it is the serious baseball people. And to your point, there's a lot of kids in America, just like myself, the way I was told, to spread your ideas across, to have a backup plan. And that is just not how it works. That is not how a Kobe, a LeBron, a Randy Johnson, they are just not made that way. What do you mean backup plan? That was probably my worst mistake. And so we try to tell everybody, if you really want to do this, it's going to take you 10 years to be a real expert, right? To be a real one, not, not to be the best on your team. No, to, to, to your point, to what you're doing to train, one of the smartest strategies, it made me giggle a little bit because I like to think things in macro. You're taking the German national team to the Mecca of where all the absolute savage gangsters are and just going, hey, go play a game. Good luck, guys. Right? So, so awesome. These, these, they're right. all totally, they're these white dudes. They're all tall and skinny. <laughs> they're only 14. It's yeah. so funny. And they're facing these, these Dominicans that are, some are four feet tall, some are six, five. And it's like, and they're yeah. just coming at you. We're getting hit in the head, right. rib shots. And these Germans are like, oh, dude, we've sure. never seen anybody throwing this hard and with no command. And they don't care when they hit you, right? Because yeah. it's normal. Right. They hit like seven a game. And these guys yeah. are just wearing it. But, but Germans are tough. So they wear it, right? And it's funny yeah. because, you know, it's funny is we actually win more than we lose because we understand right. strategy. Dominicans just get on the mountain and huck, right? They, they got I know, one but there's that usually. part. There's that part right there, though. You know, that part where you're like, oh, my God, you know, like one. OK, they're down 10, right? Because you guys know what you're doing in the strategy. And the guy hits it 500 feet. and You're like, uh, <laughs> they're down 10 and you still hit one 500 feet. Right. What's going on there? Right. You know, like. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's exactly what I what I was able to witness as well. And, you know, the, the that's what's, you know, agreed on the whole time frame thing, by the way, too. Like, everybody in the Latin culture just takes all day. It's one of the things why I don't like playing in Tijuana here on the Sundays for long, because it's a 9am game that starts mm -hmm. at 10.15, and oh, wow. the umpires are late, and they take uh, 45 seconds to walk 25 feet from the on-deck circle right. so they can actually hear their walkout song that they got wow. going. Because wow. it's a full it's a full minor league park. Awesome playing service, too, by the way. They just they went short-haired. The Gonzalez brothers got involved and bought a bunch of short-haired turf and then turfed one of the fields and then made it a minor league uh, field for Tijuana. And then the city found out and then, like, just bought – they didn't know how much it cost and realized how inexpensive it was and then turfed all the fields. So now wow. Tijuana literally has better baseball fields than most of the high schools here in San Diego. Really? They're still trying to use grass. It cracks me up every time. Every time I go down there, I'm like, yep, there it is. This is hilarious. And you can go down there and play right now in the men's league? Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and that's where the sparring <laughs> idea kept going, right? And so – I just wanted to keep throwing, keep going. And then what I realized was like, I don't have to go to Tijuana to like face high level guys. I just need to recruit right. more high level guys. And so now <laughs> we have, you know, David Hensley of the Astros um, trained with us this off season and he came in for a ton of live at bats. And, you know, I feel like that helped him prepare better for winning into right. spring <clears throat> training and, and, you know, 
he did everything on his own. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it was fun to come in here and show him some different stuff, you know, and, and then see him on TV do his stuff. And hopefully when he's ready and comes back, we can, we can get back to the deep end a little bit more and have some fun, you know. Bill, <clears throat> excuse me. Give me a second. No. All good. All good. If you guys are just tuning in, uh, Nate Trotsky is, is in the Dominican Republic. Um, we're doing a little IG live here. Um, he has stepped away for a second, but you know, if you guys don't follow him, um, you know, there's a bunch of really good, uh, baseball information that he's been putting out and, and, you know, I'm learning a lot as we go right here as well. So it's, it's been fun for, um, how far we've been. Um, I hope you're okay, my guy. We'll give it, we'll give him just another minute. Sorry about that. I get allergies. It's okay. I start start joking. Um, oh, I, I wanted just to share one one quick thing, just to kind of end when whenever you're ready. Just yeah. kind of a, a closing. Um, so like three week three weeks ago, I got to go to um to Florida, to the Eglin Air Force Base, and the. The F-22 fighter pilots, that's where they train. And the F-22 is the, the most dynamic airplane ever made in the history of the world. It goes 1,500 miles an hour. It's 60 feet long, basically the, the distance from home plate to the mound. And it costs about $143 million. And basically, they hired me to come in to, to speak to these guys. And there's these guys are the best fighters in the world. And, I, you know, I'm there to share on you know basically the concept is get your mind right and it's like you know how do you get your mind right your mind's the engine you know so this this guy right here is going to move this vehicle and so your body's the vehicle so you know i was there to share and but i was also there to learn and one thing that i took took away from them was basically what we're talking about and it basically reinforces what we're talking about from your side as a pitching guy you talk about sparring and, and basically i talk about my definition of success is basically the highest number of quality, unpredictable reps, game focus, game speed, game challenge. That's my definition of success. If you want to be at your best, become your best and reach your ceiling. It's the highest number of game focus, game speed, game challenge reps. So the more you're in that batting cage or whatever cage you're in when you're pitching, right? The most sparring reps that you get that are quality now I take that to the defensive. So now we do it as a base runner. You can take all the jumps you want as a base runner off of a pitcher where he's just lifting his leg and you're like trying to decide, do I go or do I go back? But how about putting a pitcher on the mound and he's actually trying to pick you off and you put a helmet on and all your reps are live, game speed, game focus, game challenge. It, it'll take your base running, we're just talking base runner. You'll jump like, like 10 levels. You'll go from orange belt to black belt in like a month. Because you've now elevated your game speed, game focus, game challenge reps. That's where success is found, right? So we're on the same page. And so when I'm down here talking to these F-22 guys, I'm saying, I said, Who's, who are the best fighter pilots in the world? They're like, there's no comparison. The United States Air Force and these F-22 pilots right here in this room are the best fighters in the world. And I'm like, that's pretty cool, man. But tell me why. I'm like, I'm like tell me why. I want to know the why behind yeah. why you're the best because I want to know why anybody's the best. And the thing is, is it right. doesn't change. I was listening to Kobe's an interview he was talking about last night. He was saying the exact same thing. He goes, the reason why 
I can score 81 in a game is because I practice identical. He goes, my practice session is identical to my game session. So when I get in the game, I've already played the game. It's the exact game. It's not like diff there's no difference. It's, it's, it's the exact, he called it the carbon copy. Well, that's what mm -hmm. I've been teaching for years on infield play. And, and I've been learning more about as I study the best and the F-22 fighter pilots say this, they say, we are the best for two main reasons. I'm going to give you three. One is because they have more flying time than any pilot in the world. So first of all, it's the parallel to as a pitcher, to a defender, to a hitter, whatever. Flying time represents time. You have the most time in, but the time in, the question is, is what kind of time do you have in? So they're in the air more than any other country, the Russians, the Israelis, the Chinese, and they fly more. Why do they fly more? Because we can afford the gas, which is very interesting. Other countries can't afford the gas. It's millions of dollars to fly those planes. So one, we have more airtime, flying time. And then the second is we have more fight time. When they're flying four days out of the six, they fight at game speed, game focus, game challenge. They Love fight it. more and they fly more. Then when they come down, they debrief more. So then they have a 45 minute to an hour debriefing after every fight session. So it's not like that was cool. Now I got to go do homework. They sit down for 45 minutes and they document what they did well and what they need to do better. They adapt, they adjust, they overcome any weaknesses, fly time, fight time, and then our pre debriefing, post debriefing, pretty incredible. And they are the best. I love so it's it. No, it's no different with it. what you're saying. It's no different what I'm talking about from the defense, yeah. right? Here's, here's my, here's the best part about that story. I'm from Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Nice. Where Eglin Air, Air Force Base is located. That's oh, where really? I'm from. I'm from, I'm from that spot. So you yeah, flew yeah. into that airport. If you did, that's where I'm from. Yeah, I did. Terrible, terrible base, baseball area, by the way. Terrible. Really? Awful. Well, it's a seasonal, it's an old school seasonal right. idea where it, you play football, you play basketball, you play baseball. Right. So all of the resources go to football because it's the first right. of the year. So. But you can't play baseball year-round. You can only play football year-round. That's all you can do. Really? So it's, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting market. That's, that's why that's I left. Pretty that's why I hightailed it, high it out of there. Right. You got if you smart. look at the market, there's, there's like one baseball facility. I was like, there's, this, well, this cannot sustain. This that's, cannot. Pretty, that's pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just, I, like I said, I look for holes. I look for holes in things. It makes, it makes it a lot easier to to see the strategy and the ideas and the holes there. So yeah, I can't wait to talk to you further. So um, well, guys, awesome. uh, Nate, this has been unreal. Um, I'm going to have awesome. to tell my wife about my future potential trip to the DR. Get her well, on she board can with come that too. right now. She could come too. Oh, I know. Trust me, I'm familiar with the with the, the resorts. And I was like, look, mate, we go out there. I'll put you up here. We'll get <laughs> you the Manny Petty package. We'll put you over there. But yeah, I'm going to be with you. I'll, I'll stay up till four in the morning talking baseball awesome. in the country that, that All right. watching what they're doing, man. I'll be right in your hip pocket with that. I'll bring a camera with me too. All right. That's awesome. Well, I have, I have. Thanks buddy. Minutes. I appreciate it. Yeah. You betcha. Thank you for yeah, the opportunity. I look, Oh, I just said, you're going to come out and maybe do a documentary. I've been doing a documentary for the last 18 years here. In the last six years, since the telephone has been introduced to the culture, their baseball culture has completely changed. And, and yesterday at the beach with my son, 
we were riding bikes. He's only three and we we're cruising around. It was the first time and I would say probably six, seven, eight years that I've seen a kid hitting with a stick. It doesn't exist anymore. Every kid has a $300 glove because they got it from some American or they got it from, and here's the right. deal. What I try to do is just take that glove off of them and say, go get your cardboard box because that's why your hands were so good. And right. you, don't, you don't realize that hitting with that stick gave you a sense of hand-eye coordination that no one else has in the world. So just yeah. put that stick back. And I was down at the beach and his dad was down there straight going soft toss. And him and his brother were going straight crooked, crooked stick for like an hour. And he's throwing from the front with rocks. And I was going, this is the DR that I remember. Yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I had every glove that I brought down there. I sold it to one of my teammates because they were like, no, dude, nobody has these gloves. Give me that. I'm like, all right. So, yeah, it was, it was, so I understand what you're saying. You know, like people want the, the unique idea down there. So I get it. So thanks, man. I appreciate it. Definitely. I'll I'll text you. Well, we need to set up a meeting for sure. I don't, you know. I don't, I don't okay. know what it is, but, but I, we're, we're way too along the same path here. On, on yeah, we'll see, I'll see at the ABCA. I'm going to be speaking on Definitely. building elite athletic thrower with plus command, from the, not from the pitching side, but from the defensive side, really. And so come check us out at the ABCA if you guys and, – and, you know, I think you said you're going to be going, so we can hang out. I, I got a lot of questions I want to ask you about really the delivery and some things. Um, so – Awesome. I look forward to learning from you as well. 100%. 100%, Thank you. 100% Thank my you, friend. John. Yeah, definitely. Appreciate we'll set up some time for sure. Definitely. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon.